to Rip Stop on the Record, a podcast where fabric enthusiasts and DIY gurus discuss all things make your own gear, with the occasional poor attempt at comedy to keep it interesting. I'm Kyle Baker, the owner and founder of Rip Stop by the Roll, and we're excited to have you listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rip Stop on the Record. We have two new voices joining us today. That's right. Um, today we have Isaac and Rod hopping on the episode. And before that, we have free stuff. That's right. It's free fabric Friday and we've got Hunter Green 1000D Cordura. We have four yards total, but two different shipments of two yards. So double the opportunity to win. And we're also still hiring for a production manager. So if you're curious about that, hop on over to our website, careers, the listing is there. And we should have new products coming out shortly. Lots of fun stuff um, to be released in the next few weeks. Absolutely. Other good things to learn, but you'll hear that at the outro of the episode. But first, there is somebody that you'll meet later, but they were kind enough to bring our beer today. So Isaac, can you tell us what we're drinking? Hey, everybody. This is Isaac. Today, I brought an American Imperial Stout from Brewprint in my hometown of Apex, North Carolina. Love it. All right, let's get this can pop and pop this episode off. All right. So we mentioned him earlier, but we are meeting a new voice on the podcast today. Uh, it's an internal episode. So we're talking to somebody that's never been on, but he might be our most loyal listener. We're talking to Rod. Um, so this episode, we wanted to focus a little bit on bushcraft. And I learned that Rod is really into bushcraft and has a lot of knowledge to share with us. So just for everybody listening, we're taking uh, an intro attempt at this because when Avery and I were thinking about it, we're like, as it comes down to it, we don't actually know that much about bushcraft. So first, before we dive too too deep into it, we would like to know a little bit more and Rod is going to help us with that. So Rod, we're really glad you're here. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I greatly appreciate you guys doing this. And uh, mom, if you're listening, I made it. There's a familiar voice that you'll also hear in this segment. We have Carter back with us and I'm not sure what the dynamic is entirely, but I know that I think, I think Carter needs Rod for support, but Rod asks for Carter support. So all in all, I think it's going to be awesome, but Carter, I'm glad you're here again. Hey there. Uh, I'm sure everybody's really happy to be hearing from me. So glad to be here and um, glad that Rod and I have a symbiotic relationship. <laughs> for everybody listening that you, you hear Carter now, we did institute a policy that we're going to cut back on the swearing where we heard you. And I just want to make as, as a close friend to Carter thing, I can say that I think any uh, words that might be colorful come from passion, not from vulgarity. So I truly mean that I'm happy to have you here, Carter. You're darn tootin' right. You are. <laughs> All right, Rob, let's jump into this bushcraft i i had to google the initial definition because although i know about it i was like i would like to get a more textbook and it, it was simplified as skill at living in the bush didn't give me as much of a definition as uh, as i was hoping <laughs> okay let's uh, be clear i don't know where you got that from but just skip over that if you happen to look it up again just just as a matter of fact don't ever say that again just <laughs> just just period but uh, no, uh, uh, simply put, uh, bushcraft, uh, woodsman—it's—it's it's literally skills that you need to survive in the wilderness. Not not just survive, but to thrive in that environment. It's very basic. It's simplistic, 
essentially that most of what you need is out there for you to live in any given situation if you have the skills and the knowledge to find it. So like my immediate reaction is like, oh, ultralight backpackers are living in the woods. And I know there's a big difference on asking this completely ignorantly, but where's that differentiation between a standard outdoors person, a hiker, ultralight or not to a bushcrafter? Uh, First and foremost, it's far more luxurious. I mean, imagine um, your your favorite uh, sleeping bag, a nice comfortable hammock, which that's actually part of my pack. I'll, I'll get to later, as opposed to having to chop branches and build a uh, build a lean to on a comfortable bed of leaves and a tarp, essentially, because that that's that's how a lot of people start out. You have there is a learning curve, and you have to start somewhere. And I didn't know anything at first, but I had my dad to lean on. But I'll I'll get into that in in a second. Perfect segue. How did you get into bushcraft? Okay, so uh, this this may be a little long winded, so forgive me, but I'm going to give you the details. So my father was a carpenter and a painter. And as Carter and I have discussed, I have an avid love of construction. Like I love building things. There's a, a sense of pride I get for building structures, be it at homes, renovating an apartment, a living space that someone is going to use that that brings joy to my life. And my father and his and his brothers, my uncles, they they loved to hunt. So we were always outdoors. So I discovered at a young age that there was a field that allowed me to go out and tear down as much material as I could in the backyard and not have to pay for it. That was right up my alley. Again, it it took a while to become decent at it, but my father was in support of it. And my brother, who is ex-military, it was it, it was right up his alley as well. But we we got there over the course of, of a few years. Yeah, that's super interesting, Rod. I sometimes I feel like the, the terms are cliche, but ultimately, like things that bring joy are, are really important. So it, it's really unique to see that in a different way, because I think bushcraft is often one that's overseen or maybe even looked negatively upon in the backpacking and camping world. So I think to simplify in a way of like, Hey, this brings people joy by the, the, the way that they learn the way that they treat the outdoors. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So you were, you got into bushcraft at a relatively young age, right? Yes, that's correct. If I had to, I guess I would say it would be about 12, probably about 11 or 12. We've been hunting for a couple of years and I've been working in carpentry with my dad probably since about 10, like as, as early as I could carry a tool belt. And I probably shouldn't say this, but run a saw without chopping my hands off. I still haven't mastered that one. <laughs> I mean, you've done well for yourself. You work with rotary cutters every single day and you still have every finger as far as I know. That is true. That's so far. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I just wanted to point out, which I think is really interesting about um, our team is that as you guys know, we're a small team, close-knit, but I think that one thing that kind of unites us all together in a way is that we all have a love of making something, right? And I think that's really important. It actually struck with me whenever you were saying, Rod, that building building things brings you joy, right? And I don't do construction. I mean, I can barely uh, like hang a TV, but I can make a backpack. And I, I can identify with you. I think we all share that in some way. 
um, where I know exactly the feeling that you're talking about. And I just think that that's really interesting, even though that it manifests itself in such a different way. It's, it's pretty cool to see that. And I bet if you took every one of our employees and we sat down and we talked to them, you would find something about their personality that involves uh, being creative or making something uh, for yourself or others. But yeah, anyways, that was just kind of struck me when he was saying that. I was like, whoa, that's actually really, really cool. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. There, uh, there's something else I want to touch on. You said the, you I really appreciate making something for somebody to live in. How do you think, well, so as that pertains to bushcraft, bushcrafting, I don't want to compare camping and bushcrafting as, as antithesis of one another or as, as it's a, a vice a versus, but more of a comparison. I think people can understand camping already, but a lot of people maybe don't understand the bushcraft side. People talk about going into the backcountry and getting into the tent and being like, oh my gosh, like it feels so homey. It's so cozy to get into a tent at night. What does that look like in a bushcraft sense where you set up your, your lean to or, or whatever it is, what does it feel like to get into your handmade shelter at night? <laughs> I mean, what is the proverbial um, ideal uh, uh, situ- uh, scenario for uh, someone that goes out into the woods looking to build a shelter? Uh, well, first and foremost, you can actually make a fire. Now, whether you're using uh, a knife and a magnesium stick or you're actually using a bow and drill, which is incredibly difficult, even with ideal conditions, tender and adequate materials, that is incredibly difficult to do. And I still haven't mastered it myself. I mean, if you look at my bag right now, I'm pretty sure there's a magnesium stick in there and a couple knives just because I haven't mastered that. But uh, I guess if I was going to start with comfort, uh, for me, I like being off of the ground. It's easier to uh, the, to add consistent, uh, even insulation to keep the body warm, unless it's in, it's like the middle of summer and it's just warm anyways. But it's a survival scenario, depending on what you're around, you know, snakes, a fire ants, there's a lot of creepy crawlies out there that not a lot of people may be comfortable with. So being off the ground is always best for me, but a, a nice platform between you know three or four trees, if I can find, if I can build a wedge of large branch in there, I may have to, I may have to do some sawing, which I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more later, but that's, that's ideal comfort. As long as I have a platform, nice insulation, and uh, something to put over me, I'm fine. Simple roof, if it may rain, you always wanna be prepared. So usually a tarp or uh, in some cases uh, a hammock and a a tarp is just a part of my pack anyway, whether I set up uh, a ridge line and just like hang it over and put some stakes down just just as a precautionary measure. You don't wanna get rained on at 2 a.m. when you're trying to sleep. Yeah, that's always that's always a bad time. So you mentioned your pack there. What I mean, I've been lucky enough to see Carter's pack, which is a, a sub nine pound ultralight pack. I don't even know where to begin with a bushcrafter's pack. What I mean, I know it's probably a, a lot, but what is a what does your pack look like? What's in there? Well, right now, considering we're in the uh, the COVID era, no, no no pun intended whatsoever. I'm extremely serious about that. I haven't been out in a while. So my pack items are a little out of date for my specifications, but I have two packs, each of which have two different folding saws, which, you know, I may need. I prefer to have them 
but the saw my swiss army knife can take care of i guess up to like three inch branches but anything larger depending on what i have to work with i would need a bigger saw so i have a folding saw uh, a couple different water filtration systems the uh, the the life pins like if i'm near uh, a river or uh, basically a a larger body of water then i'll use one of those the life pins are considerably smaller uh, you don't really have to um, you don't have to boil uh, the water so to speak it's it's layered filtration so it should be ready to go after a few minutes whereas if if i were near a lake and i didn't have that it was just a canteen i got to get a fire going and kill as many of the as much of the bacteria in there as possible so canteen i definitely have my my fire starters a couple of knives i have a uh, an 11 inch rambo knife full tank with saw back like I, I i like saws man like i'm i'm usually cutting down a lot of wood my cordage actually now that i've said that so there are there are four or five c's of uh, of bushcraft that i feel like everyone tries to adhere to you have your uh, combustible materials pretty any, anything you need to get a fire going basically whether that's a fire starter and a knife or you have the materials to make a bow and a drill and you have your containers food storage water filtration what have you then you have your cutting tools which i obviously am a fan of cordage and coverage elements be that your simple rustic tarp if you have a hammock uh, some something to aid you in your search for shelter in the event that you're in an area that provides limited materials and you don't want to die i want to run over that one more time because that was super interesting the the, the five c's four c's your combustibles uh, combustibles containers coverage elements cutting tools and oh geez like you i, I uh, cordage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that is i feel like it, to some extent those are just that is a good practice to be in of what i mean those those cover your basis for everything right i mean so i kind of like how simple that is and i think is that a popular uh phrase in bushcrafting as a whole is that like pretty standard for a lot of people yeah, for the most part. I mean, it's a. Uh, I, I guess you would consider it a part of uh, Bushcraft 101. Uh, again, there's there are plenty of uh, of survival courses out there that you may be able to find in your area. You may have to drive a little bit. It's not it's not as popular as you would think, but there there are places and there are resources that you can learn. That there there are books. I didn't I didn't refine the skills that I have refined by just going out with my father. It's so like you, you you have to do your own research and most of it, practically all of it was trial and error. Yeah. So I think one uh, one thing that sticks out to me again is like, as some of you may know, um, and if you don't, it's probably because you had to turn off the podcast when I was talking. Um, I am an ultralight backpacker. I'm super into gear um, uh, functionality. Uh, I think my ethos that comes from my friend is uh, flexible minimalism, right? Like Whereas I view, I view bushcrafting as like pure minimalism. Uh, I can see myself maybe like trying to do that because I think that those skills are really uh, important. But the, the thing that I can't stop thinking about is like, man, I just, he keeps saying stuff about magnesium, but I my Bic lighter is so wonderful. Like I'm trying to put myself in the position of like, I think maybe what needs to happen is we're just going to have to go out on a, uh, a little bushcraft 
uh, adventure or something like that. So, and then vice versa. I think it'd be cool for us to, for me to take you backpacking with like the gear that I have and it'll feel like you're in uh, a hotel. Five-star five hotel. But I do think that there's the, it's interesting that, and I don't know if you know this, but in the ultralight community, uh, bushcrafters are made fun of. Like, that's like a thing is to be like, oh, well, they're carrying like 17 pound logs on their backs and stuff like that. Like, that's a common thing. Uh, or like, you know, for instance, you mentioned like multiple saws. Like all I carry is like a pair of, titanium scissors like i don't even have so and you guys if you could see rod's face when i said that um he looked like the most disappointed father after his son just <laughs> struck out looked like his son just struck out on like a, a hot yeah like a a high change up that you could that like anybody could hit that's what he looked at me like but anyways yeah i, I think that we should uh this inspires me to like want to go out and do those things because i have some of those skills obviously because those things overlap backpacking and, and bushcrafting overlap but uh yeah I'm, i i kind of want to do that now like real bad so let's go tomorrow so in response to like everything that you just said again i i feel that i need to reiterate that there are varying levels of skills when it comes to this if you need to fire if you need a big lighter to get a fire th there's nothing wrong with that man it's it, in some way shape or form as long as you're using some of what's around you, I mean, you you can go out with a hammock and a bit light, a big lighter and that'd be fine. And at just at some point, like, I'm not sure if you like do any fishing or like, you know, whether you have like MREs or like or something like that. But there there has to be some component that is solely based in the simplicity of nature, it has to be something that you can find out there, but I don't want you to go out there and get hurt. I, I don't want anyone <laughs> listening to just assume that you can go out with nothing and, and everything would be okay. It's, it must be taken seriously. And, you know, for the record, not like very few bushcrafters are these bearded, like weirdos that go out into the woods at night by themselves and make all these noises and they're just cutting things down and they're playing with knives. No, I, I'm, I, I know it sounds funny because I've, I, considering that I'm, my, I'm a minority, I, I've mentioned this to my friends and it blows their minds. Like I've, I've had so many jokes cracked about it that it's, it's not even funny anymore, but it's, it's something that I come across a lot. And again, when I started out, there were a lot of disappointing days spent trying to make a fire. Like I, I literally thought, like, I see it on YouTube, see it on TV. I, I could figure that out. Well, I, I did after about 600 reps. <laughs> no BS. It, it takes dedication unless you're going to go to a school and take a class, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's far more efficient than what I did, but mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed learning the way that I did. And I'm not saying that. Like my skills are, are superior because I learned them on my on my own and I'm nowhere near the most experienced. But I, I think you guys are being quite generous with that introduction that you gave me. And uh, I appreciate that. But there's varying levels of experience, man. It's as long as you have the will to learn, anybody can do it. I think one thing that uh, that is interesting to me. And the reason that why, the reason why I responded the way that I did is because in my experience of the ultralight backpacking community as a whole is very, uh, in my opinion, of course, I love it, but that's because I'm a part of it, right? It is not always the most 
inclusive of others. And I'm not talking about anything like that. But what I mean is that, for instance, I, my initial thought is like, well, I want to use a lighter. So you, like bushcrafters probably wouldn't accept that. But I think it's cool that what you're saying is that, hey, no, it's not like it. It almost seems like you actually defined bushcrafting right there, which is really like it's getting it, it's it's being closer to the simplicity of nature. Like that's what it no matter. And there are varying levels to that. There's not just like, oh, like for, for instance, ultralight backpacking is 10 pound base weight. If you're over 10 pounds, you're not ultralight. And like, that's a thing. So th that's the, that's the different, uh, the different side of the aisle, I guess, is like, uh, I just think it's really, it seems really inviting that like what you're saying is basically like, Hey, do what you got to do to have a good time. But just keep in mind that the reason that you're going out is to, is to simplify your life and like admire what's around you. Uh, absolutely. And I I have complete and total respect for that. As a matter of fact, when you showed me your loadout, like this guy, he literally had an, a spreadsheet of everything that he put in his pack, like multiple packs and the weights. And it was categorized. It, it, it was incredible. Like I, <laughs> I, at best, I probably have 13, 14 items and a few of them are interchangeable. And that that's incredible that you can do that. And it's effective and it's still ultra light because I, I feel like I'm in decent shape. So I've never really taken it into consideration my pack weight. Yeah. But I'm also not hiking 30, 40 miles. Yes. Like by by choice, I should say, mm -hmm. if it was if if I needed to be extracted and, you know, we were traveling somewhere and there was a crash, God forbid, or we got lost. That's a completely different scenario. And more often than not, I would try to keep moving as much as possible with the daylight that I had and get, uh, the terrain. Because I, I don't carry any climbing gear. Like I'm not a climber. So I, in my pack. So if I'm somewhere and elevation is something to contend with, my pack's not going to cut it. Just, uh, <laughs> just uh, it, yeah, I'm I'm not climbing down with paracord or or am still like th that's not happening. So there are two points I want to wrap up with and be respectful of everybody's time. Uh, one, I've been listening to this podcast about finite and infinite games, and I feel like this is a really interesting comparison between Carter and Rod here. That in the ultralight backpacking world, I think a lot of people treat it as like a, a finite period of time, like you have an exact number of days you want to be at or exact amount of miles you want to complete. And the way you go about your tools and your setup is to complete that task as generally as rapidly as possible, where I almost feel like bushcraft is the opposite, where it is in a lot of ways, it feels like an infinite game where you are there to be sufficient. So to that, my question there with that is Rod is, I, I know what a hiking trip looks like. I know what Carter, like he's planning an outing. I know what that looks like. It's like, it's this many, uh, it's this route for this many miles. I'm averaging this many per day. You know, he's very calculated. What does a bushcrafter's trip look like? <laughs> Is it open-ended? Is it like, yes, I'm looking to do 40 miles. What does that look like? Uh, for myself and, and most of, most of the, uh, the people that I've come across, the, the few of them in the community that I have come across, it's usually about a 10, 10, 15 mile cap. That's, that's max. And again, a lot of these skills are transferable to survival situations. God forbid that you're ever put in that situation, but there, I don't want it to seem like it's not structured somewhat. I mean, there is, if you're not familiar with the area, there is some reconnaissance required 
know, more often than not, you would like to know where your sources of fresh water are, if there are any. If there aren't, if you're not prepared to travel and you're taking fatigue and hydration and uh, energy levels into consideration, then you want to have a pack prepared for that. That being the case, um, you could practice at any local park just to just to refine your skills or develop them if you if you don't have any. I mean, I, I wouldn't suggest just going out in the middle of nowhere. You've done no research. Just walk. Just just seriously, just walking out into the woods somewhere across the state where you don't know anyone. You have no idea what the foliage is, what type of animals are out there, predators, prey food sources. That's if you if you're into setting deadfall traps and things like that. There's it's it's a massive wealth of knowledge, and it's always better to keep in mind your skill level and prepare for that for the practice which again the the end goal is to be able to survive in those conditions in that scenario to reach extraction if need be and to reach that goal it requires practice so you structure a trip to replicate those in-game situations so to speak i like that and i like how you once again mentioned that it doesn't have to look the same for you as it does for another bushcrafter. You know, so like in my experience, this is what bushcrafters have done. But I think that's a really good point to not uh, to not limit ourselves. <laughs> not be like, oh, this is you have to be a bushcrafter if you do this, or you have to be ultralight only if you do this. It's okay to have parameters, but not to be exclusive. So I like I like how you mentioned that. So to wrap to move things forward, um, bushcrafters like rips up by the roll, from what I can tell. <laughs> We carry things that people really appreciate. What type of materials, fabrics, components do we carry um, that you yourself appreciate or that you recognize that other bushcrafters have really appreciated? There are two that uh, that come to mind immediately. One, like I'm a fan of the netless hammock, especially in the uh, the the one monolite. Uh, it's it's super light and it's insanely comfortable. I, I like I I cannot stress that enough, and I before working here, I I had prior knowledge of of Amsteel. It wasn't like years back; it wasn't as easily available as it is now. But for the longest time, there had been a debate between uh, whether or not like pack wise, Paracord or Amsteel. I I'm not sure if. You guys have ever used a uh, paracord for like lashings? I, okay, so you know paracord has a rating. Like most commonly, I think it's like like five fifty. Yep. Paracord is flexible, can be cut, so on and so forth. It's I need, I need to stress this. It is not abrasion resistant. I I, I cannot stress that enough. Whereas M steel is, you don't want to hang a hammock using paracord. I, I it's just I would prefer going with Amsteel. I almost to the point where the, the I guess the, the real issue was, was that Amsteel was harder to not, even though it's um, it floats and it's uh, it's it's far more durable. Like, I'm not even going to get into the, the tensile strength, but it, it's just harder to not. So using it for like lashings and like shelter is a bit more difficult. Uh, you could use alternative knots like a like a grandma's knot or like a, a, a series of loops, 
so that after you're done with the, with the shelter, it's easily it's easier to retrieve those materials instead of having to cut them. But it's I I love it. It's it could literally be a lifesaver in the in the right scenario. And even if it isn't, I'd rather have it and not need it because it's super light than need it and be screwed. Amsteel so, one. What's your second favorite? Sorry, you said the monolight hand mix. My bad. I was I was trying to think of another one because again, like I've I am someone that was always opposed to making his own gear, which in the future I'm going to be leaning on Carter a lot for because he's he gives me a lot of crap about not <laughs> in in a good way. He gives me a lot of crap about not making my own gear, and to his credit, he has a point. Practically every pack I've ever purchased, there's always something that's a little off. Maybe this pocket could be z- bigger. Maybe this zipper could be in another place. Maybe there could be a zipper here and I'd be wide enough. I hate these straps. Like, like, it's like so on and so forth. Like there's, I feel like there's, a, there's no perfect pack that, that I've purchased. A lot of them have been like phenomenal and they serve their purpose, but so I've never really found one that was ideal one that I would love to carry each time going out. So perhaps I can make one that that may be something for Carter and I. I like it. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, Carter, glad you were here with us. Rod, I'm so glad we did this. I feel like I learned a lot more about you and I actually have an idea of what bushcrafting is now. So I feel more educated. Um, thank you so much for spending uh, the last bit of your workday with us and for educating me on something that I do absolutely nothing about. Thanks for your time, Rod. Problem. Thank you guys. Uh, one other thing that I forgot to mention, Rod works in our warehouse for all of you people that are getting climate shield and things like that. Uh, he helps out majorly to make that happen, to get that to all of you. Um, so that is, that is what he does. He's on our team here. Um, I had to mention that because people love their insulation. <laughs> So our other new voice on the podcast today is Isaac. He is a new addition to Ripstop by the Roll, and we just wanted to bring him on today to tell us a little about himself and what he's going to be doing here at Ripstop. So welcome, Isaac. Nice to meet you, Avery. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a new addition to the Ripstop team. Um, I am currently a senior at NC State University. Um, I'll be graduating in May, so I'm kind of doing this working thing while finishing up my degree. Um, but I'm similar to Rod. I definitely have more of a, a bushcraft background, um, kind of started out in the ultralight community and then migrated to the bushcraft world. Uh, so that's definitely cool. I'm excited about that. Um, and as far as the product coordinator position here at Ripstop, I am going to be uh, in charge of making sure all of y'all have the opportunity to get some remnants and second remnants and looking for new products to add to the lineup uh, at Ripstop. And I'm super excited about new things that are coming down the pipeline. Isaac's going to be on the podcast more. He's going to be a big contributor for us. He's going to help us make videos for kits and DIY um, tutorials and, and things like that. So you'll be hearing from it and seeing a lot more of him. Um, but because you're going to know him, we do this with everybody that comes along for the most part. We have to know a couple fun facts about Isaac. Uh, so Isaac, you, let's see, can you give us two things about you that are fairly random? 
uh, and we'll we'll start there. We'll ease you in. Uh, okay, so two random things. First off, I have attempted to summit Mount Mount Washington in New Hampshire um, in the winter. In the winter, yep, in the winter. And second, oh geez, um, I sometimes like to think that I'm really good at singing. But usually that's in the shower. And I also think he's a good singer. So, so maybe that might not be random. Um, but we'll have to have you guys record the new intro of the Ripstop podcast because he busted out that Prince song one time and it was it was good. <laughs> I think it would be better for everyone if that did not happen. <laughs> It's going to be a jingle. It's going to be like in Step Brothers when Derek is driving down and it'll be like Kyle and Isaac singing mediocre. And then Carter will be the young, will be the son that's singing so well. It'll be the ripstop jingle. Um, and Isaac, you mentioned that you're a senior at NC State. Uh, you have a really unique major. What are you doing? Uh, what's your major? And tell us just a brief bit about why it's exciting for Ripstop by the role. All right. Well, everyone's going to have to stay tuned for that. That might be coming. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm in the fashion and textile management program at NC State with a concentration in fashion development and product management. Um, and that's just a lot of words to say that I kind of have a, a textile background and it's a little more of a technical knowledge with a little bit of uh, construction knowledge thrown in there. Um, so I've done a lot of work with non-wovens and uh, looking at weaving structures and just all kinds of, of textile related goods that I think will uh, come into play a lot here at Ripstop by the Roll. Absolutely. For those of you listening, uh, the consumers and our beloved people, uh, Isaac's presence here means that we'll be able to get you more technical knowledge. We'll get you more experience. Another person to that has experience to bring in and share with you. Um, ultimately, we're just we want to bring you more high value content more frequently. So we're pumped to have Isaac. Thanks for joining us. You'll hear from him a lot more in the future. You'll see him more. Um, as always, let us know. I mean, this podcast is for for you guys. And we, uh, we like to talk about things that you want to hear about and you, and you talk about. So let us know what you want to see, where you like this to go. Uh, and we're happy to make those adjustments. Yeah. And don't forget to like our podcast and subscribe. We appreciate all your support. If you have extra time and want to like hop in and leave us a sweet review, we read all of them personally, cause we've only got one. So, um, do that. We'll print it out add it to a board somewhere in the office. It makes us feel good. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram or Facebook for our free Fabric Fridays to find out how you can win some free fabric. But that's all. Thank you, um, Isaac, for sharing more about who you are and Rod for sharing his bushcraft journey. Awesome. I like it. Thanks for having me, guys. Drink good beer, make good gear. <laughs>